<laughs> well, well, you know it's nine o'clock. It's Wednesday. Good morning, Babs. <laughs> Good morning, Harry. This is Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. That's right, and you're listening to us on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Streaming live on newhavenindependent.org and streaming live on Facebook Live right now. There you go. Hey, people. We're, we're on Facebook Live. Well, I should hit the button go live. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> so listen. Okay, now this we're is, on Facebook Live. This is a little departure from the usual um, music and mischief that we do during the week. <laughs> Normally, I spend my time talking to people one-on-one on Fridays at 10 o'clock. But because I've been chasing Reverend Benita Grubbs of uh, Community Action for the longest time, Christian Community Action, for like forever and a day, this was the day that she could get in here. So I was going to take it. So I don't care about music and mischief today because I'm talking to her, uh, Reverend Benita Grubbs, who is the Executive Director of Christian Community Action that does so many good in the in the community. So I was talking about her the other day to somebody about the work that she was doing, and then I ran into her at our salon because we go to the same we go to the same glam squad. <laughs> and then I nailed her down while she's getting her hair shampooed. I was like, "Come on, come on!" <laughs> so hello, good morning. Get closer to it. Now is that better? Is that better? Can you hear? Can I hear you say it again? Good morning, Beth. Yes, I hear you, and happy birthday. Yeah, it was yesterday. That's <laughs> <It's> all right. <laughs> I wasn't with you yesterday, but if, you know, if you want to throw some tequila back today, I'm I'm your girl. I am a teetotaler. All right. Well, I drink tea too, and I'm not drinking tequila. All right. So you're at Christian Community Action. They are coming up on a big anniversary. Yep, we had our first event in January to begin the anniversary celebration, and there is one in a little less than two weeks. And the the anniversary, the celebration in January was? Lift Every Voice in Song. It was in keeping with our faith tradition Mm -hmm. and the fact that we were founded by people of faith, and we had a Lift Every Voice in Song event at the Star of Jacob Christian Church. I missed that one. I went to see Al Jarreau. That was our 2016 fundraiser. Oh. No, 2015 fundraiser. Was it that long? Yes, ma'am. No. Because last year we had Dionne Warwick. Oh, I saw her too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she went out of my brain because it was supposed to be... Roberta Flack. Roberta Flack. That's right. Oh, has it been that long since we had a conversation about this? Uh, it could be. Lord have mercy. Yeah, Lord does have mercy. It seemed like Al Jarreau was just here. I mean, he just passed, but it just seemed like it was last year. Mm. Oh, man. Dionne Warwick, Warwick was amazing. She absolutely was. I was having a conversation with Carol Brown the other day, and she was saying how wonderful it was as well. So I appreciate You know, Carol Brown of... sings. I don't know why she's not singing all over the place, but that's all right. Yeah, she gonna... did mention that to me. I'm not going to say anything about it because she'll be like, Baz, why are you putting my business out there? But she used to be a cabaret singer. Mm. So she could she can hold her own with those those songs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right, so how many years is the anniversary? What year is this? 50. 50? Mm-hmm. How many years have you been there? Uh, 28. Wow, so more than half. That would be right. <laughs> so when you first went there, Reverend Grubbs, did you think you'd stay 28 years? I said five years. Really? Mm-hmm. And why five? Um, just because it felt like it was a good number and there might be an opportunity for me to do something, make a difference, and figure out where I'll is i was to go next okay so year six what are you saying to yourself uh there's some more work to do seven um some more work to do 12 
uh, a new opportunity unfolds. 17. <laughs> More opportunity unfolds, and it felt okay. 26. Another opportunity emerged. Okay, so here we are at 28. What are you thinking? So it is the, let's see if I can do the math right. It is the fourth year of the fifth phase of my five-year plan. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know if I have that exactly right. It's early in the morning. So it, it's a five-year plan. And so I guess I'm in the fourth year now. Okay. So when you walked through those doors 28 years ago, why? Why did you go there? Because you could have gone anywhere. Well, because I was called there. Really? And what, mm-hmm. what did the call sound like? Um, this is where you need to be. This is the opportunity that is uh, before you. And this is the opportunity you don't want. So go. <laughs> That's pretty important. The opportunity that you don't want. Mm-hmm. Now, you are a graduate. Are you a divinity school grad? Yep. And when did you come out of there? 84. Okay. And so when you were at divinity school, were you thinking service of that type? Or were you thinking, let me go pastor a church um i was trying to get a sense of what my calling really was i Mm -hmm. didn't know you didn't know yeah i also also have a master's in public health so i wasn't sure how the two would be combined okay okay wow so did it take a lot of soul searching to take this job Mm, no i wouldn't call it soul searching i'd call it an imperative really Mm -hmm. so you get there you interview and they're like, they offer you the job and then you say, let me think about it or it, yes, or. It felt like an opportunity and a good friend of mine said, this is the opportunity for you. And we're still friends after all these years. And <laughs> Jeff still has a lot of opportunity connected to it. Now, what does um, Christian Community Action do? Well, there are really three levels of work, and we're developing, I think, a fourth level. The first one is emergency assistance, so the food pantry, the diaper bank, your energy assistance program at certain times of the year, and just basic neighborhood assistance for clothing and notary public and that sort of thing. Uh, the other is a transitional housing program, which is intended or has been intended to provide people, in particular families, with an opportunity to really be in a place for a longer period of time to help themselves and for us to help them move to a better station in life so that they could actually be housed permanently and hopefully have enough income to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. The advocacy work is both grassroots through Mothers for Justice and uh, through any kind of public policy advocacy that we do based on what our service portfolio really is. Um, the last part of that work is new. We have uh, started in 2014, 15, uh, something that's called the Arise Center, and that's short for Accessing Resources for Independence, Skill Building, and Employment, and really trying to surround the families and the folks that we serve with opportunities to get some training, be engaged in uh, child and family service. Um, and what I mean by that specifically is for the parent to be able to connect their children or child to uh, a child care provider or to really do some additional work around determining where the child is mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, intellectually, uh, so that we can actually have that child and family service component. It's not just to concentrate on the parents, it's to concentrate on the children who are connected to those parents. Um, so we've done some really good things to try to change the way in which we provide our services so that we can actually support families 
not just while they're in the shelter, but for up to a year after with the Arise Center and with the uh, family coaches. We no longer call them case managers. We mm-hmm. call them family coaches because we really want to provide uh, the head of household or heads of household with an opportunity to think about what their own goals are and us, for us to support that intention on the part of the head of heads of household. So the program today, I'm sure, doesn't look like the program of 28 years ago. No. So talk a little bit about the times that over the period of time, how this organization changed to meet the needs of whatever the needs are of, of the day. I think the, as I understand it, I wasn't there at the time, but as I understand it, the organization started one because people of faith, ha- faith had a desire to do something mm-hmm. in response to the conditions that were around them. And the other was to really think about and pray about and what that ought to look like. And an opportunity presented itself as a result of that. There was one family in the hill that needed some support as a result of a fire. And so we stepped in, those who were there at the time stepped in to be able to provide that support. They opened up an office on Congress Avenue and then it became a kind of a community connecting point Mm -hmm. and in 1971 we moved to our present location and at that location we had four five apartments and we were working with families it was called the oh gosh it wasn't the i've forgotten now what the name of it is but there was a particular live-in that's what it was called where individuals could come and so it evolved to where we would be housing families in the apartments that uh, we had upstairs at uh, Davenport Avenue. Okay. So really, from what I know and from how it is that we've done our work over the 50 years, it's been a real focus on what what's the need? How can we actually fill a gap? What kinds of services can we offer? What kind of compassionate support can we offer to families? One of our former board members actually had um, a lawyer, and he used the word at one point. I may not get the legal term exactly accurate, but... The, the, the word is interstitial, mm-hmm. which means that if there's a gap, then let's see how we can actually fill it. And so much of what we've done in our years of existence has been to try to fill a gap. Mm-hmm. And I think the Arise Center is kind of a new way in which we're trying to fill a gap because while individuals, families are homeless or they're having a difficult time, that our hope is that we would be able to work with them so that we could reduce that reoccurrence or to help them move upstream. And and we've done some, I think, really good work to uh, to help. And you families. and you at the core, you still feeding people. Have you you've been feeding people oh, yeah. for quite some time? Oh yeah, oh, right yeah. now. So has that? What does that look like over the years? Um, has the number increased? Ha, who are you seeing? Like, what do the people look like that come um, needing um, food support because of food insecurity? Well, there are two ways to look at that. Number one is somebody who has a particular need on a one-time basis. And then there are other individuals who come back every month or every other month because they have an emergency each and every month or more frequently than just incidentally. So we, what we try to do is to, well, two things we try to do, and we're doing a third thing too is um, we evolve yet one more time. One is to meet the need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to provide people with a bag of food that lasts three days or should last three days. Uh, and then to try to connect uh, the person with other services 
Um, if they're not in the area, we'll give them one time bag and then we'll tell them there's another neighborhood closer to where they, there's another food pantry closer to where they live. Um, and that's part of the, the sort of transition from people to a, a better place. Um, increasingly, we are asking the second question mm-hmm. uh, or another question. It is, so what else do you have a need for? What are the kinds of things that we you can we can do to help you in other areas? Because the thinking is, if you have a food insecurity issue, there's got to be something else, a part of that connected to that underneath that. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, one example, when we first started asking those other questions uh, was a woman came into the office, and she came in for food that particular day, my staff reported to me, and she had a kind of a crestfallen look, and so the staff member had the insight to ask her, so what else is going on? How are you feeling? You don't look good. And a lot of the folks are repeat customers, so we uh, we have developed relationships with a lot of them, and in this case, that was so. So she said, well, it was during the summertime, um, the energy assistance program uh, had gone away, and it just so happened through a connection that we have with Operation Fuel, we had some funds to be able to help people with your utilities during the summertime. So what she said was, uh, I don't have any money to be able to pay my utility bill. Um, my lights are off, and I can't do anything because I don't have the money. So she came in looking for food. Staff member had the insight to be able to ask the question, mm-hmm. and she got connected. Because she would have just came and got food and walked exactly. out exactly. and gone back home to a dark house. Exactly. So we were able to connect her with Operation Fuel, complete the application, and she was happier than she would otherwise have been because one staff person at CCA did indeed uh, ask the question. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what it is that we're trying to do is to ask those secondary questions. Well, you've come in for this, but what else do you need? What other kinds of services can we help? And for the first time, as another example, um, we actually were hosting uh, the VITA program in the Hill during the daytime. And mm-hmm. the VITA is, of course, um, something that's staffed by volunteers. And so we were able to set aside space for volunteers from the community to come in and help people fill out their income tax. There are a number of sites uh, in the evening, but not very many during the day. So we were able to do something new this year to fill a gap, to try to help people to get their income tax returns, income tax filed. Wow, that's pretty good. For free? Uh Uh-huh. Wow, that's a big deal. Well, it's a volunteer program. We've got space. People have time. Folks have a need. And so, you know, it all came together in a very nice way. So it doesn't matter whether or not you you are 50 or 20, organizationally speaking, there's opportunity to be able to think, at least in my way of thinking, uh, to think about what else you can do to make the needs met, to have people's needs met. So how do you fund all this stuff? Carefully. <laughs> Are you? Is it an ongoing? I mean, I've run nonprofits, so I, I know what that cycle was like, but are you constantly in fundraising mode? Are you constantly chasing the dollars? Um, I wouldn't you know. call it chasing the dollars. I think the first thing, thing that we do is to try to make sure that we are providing the services needed mm-hmm. and and then documenting who it is that we serve, what are the ways in which we serve people, and, and then try to paint a picture for uh, whether it's an individual donor 
and you have our newsletter in front of you. Some of that information is contained therein. Um, grant applications that we file with a variety, whether it's a foundation or another kind of um, a granting source. It's a it's a constant uh, challenge. It's a constant enterprise, mm-hmm. and you know, it's uh, it's something that uh, I am always um, thinking about. So you got this fiftieth anniversary coming up. So what's the plan? Like, what are we doing? What what? How are we celebrating? Now I know you've got the uh, the event coming up on Tuesday, April twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. Compassion to Action: The Road mm-hmm. to Hope with uh, Matthew Desmond and um, Juan Salgado. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be, what are they going to be doing? Well, what's fascinating to me about both of them and them together is, is the following. One, they were both 2015 MacArthur Genius Award recipients. Wow. So they know each other. Uh-huh. And they were in the same class as uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and Tanisha Coates and a number of other individuals. So it was a really wonderful collection of individuals who were doing some really amazing things. Uh, and as, as individuals, uh, Matthew Desmond released a book, Evicted, um, last March. And uh, it's a wonderful, uh, insightful book about the challenges of eight families in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, both from the standpoint of the the person who needs housing as well as the landlord, and how do people live in that environment, um, or how they lived in that environment, both, and the challenges that people had with stability. And he advocates for housing um, vouchers or any some sort of housing subsidy. So he has a perspective that's on the ground that is very personal and very insightful about what people's experiences were and then how important housing is as a way of stabilizing families, whether it's just an individual or it's a mother and a couple of children. And he talks about how poverty is really an issue um, and as it relates to housing. So if you are not housed, then there's a greater chance for you to be in poverty because you can never stabilize Uh, Juan Salgado is uh, director of an organization in Chicago called the Instituto del Progreso Latino, Mm -hmm. and it serves individuals who are immigrants and Spanish-speaking, probably not exclusively, but that's a major population that that they work with on a daily basis. And his efforts are really about how do you help individuals to attain the kind of educational expertise to to be able to get a job that pays a living wage. So he started with kind of an employment training focus. I started a charter school, which for some individuals was quite controversial. There are other things I think that they are planning to do because what they believe is that the pathway to stability is getting a job, having enough income, and the housing will take care of itself. I don't think that those are contradictory. Mm-hmm. Um, that is between Matthew and, and, and Juan. But there's a compliment to me about, yes, you need housing and yes, you need income. And one without the other, well, you know, it doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we want to do is to have a conversation or to have them have a conversation with each other so that we can hear a little bit about what kinds of things can we do in community what kinds of things can we think about um not so much about ending homelessness though i think there's a current focus in connecticut on that as a as a matter of 
public policy and funding. But really, what do we want to do at the level of the family? How can we actually stabilize the family? What kind of programs can you put in place? What kinds of services can you put in place? What kind of personal and person-centered approaches that will allow for individuals to make their own choices about how they can improve their quality of life and to surround them with those kinds of uh, services so that they can actually get from a place of you know, being from either paycheck to paycheck or food pantry bag to food pantry bag or some other kind of service that's based on them not having to get getting to the place where they actually have support, that they have a place to stay, that they have a reasonable income, that, and um, that the parents are able to take care of their children. So this is an opportunity to think educationally, to think intellectually about what are we doing and how can we do something to uh, to improve the quality of life. Ironically, I got an email the other day from a woman from New Milford, and she asked the question, is this an event that is restricted just for individuals in New Haven? And I said, no. And the reason why she asked the question, she says New Milford is in another part of the state, to be sure. It's in the northwestern corner mm-hmm. of the state. And she said the same issues that you have in New Haven are the issues that we have here. Yes, it's a smaller community, but we have those kinds of challenges in that part of the state. And we'd really like to come to hear about what these two individuals are really trying to say. So it's a misnomer to believe that poverty only exists in an urban center, that there are pockets of poverty throughout the state. And this is not a geographically limited discussion. It is, so what can we do? How can we use this opportunity to be able to do something that would provide a much more lasting and positive effect? Mm-hmm. Good morning. This is Babs Rolls Ivy. If you just tuned in, this is Love Babs Love Talk, and I'm talking to um, Reverend Benita Grubbs, the uh, Executive Director of Christian Community Action. And you're listening to us on 103.5 FM WNHH. And we're live streaming on the New Haven Independent. And if you're watching us on Facebook, we're here. So, <laughs> Uh, that's one event. Yeah. More events to come for the year? We have a a community festival in July. Oh. The John C. Daniels School. I should say at this point that all of these efforts, the worship service, the educational event, the festival, is really uh, something that I'm not doing by myself. It would be impossible to do that. But we have wonderful volunteers who mm-hmm. are uh, involved in the planning process. Um, the overall anniversary event is co-chaired by Diane Young-Turner and Michael Morand. Um, oh, I know have, these people. We have, these are heavy hitters. They are, they've been wonderful, <laughs> really wonderful. These are city supportive. heavy hitters. Like, you can't get better than than Diane Turner or Mike Moran well, and they, Mike Moran. Like it, both of them together is crazy. It It is crazy good. <laughs> That's what I mean, crazy good. Like I don't even know how you get that. Like how do you get that? Uh, oh, ha- I know because it's you. <laughs> it's hat in hand begging. It's you. I guess. Well, it's, I think it's I think it's not just me. I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of humility that I have, a large amount of humility <laughs> that I have in this regard. It is really the fact that, you know, many organizations don't reach 50. CCA has been in this town for all of that period of time and been very community focused and intentional about trying to fill a gap for individuals in a certain way. And I think that it's in some ways it's the, it's a best kept secret. Um, Yeah. And, and so this is an opportunity for us to celebrate what we've done and 
and share with individuals what our goals are for the future. So um, it's compelling. It's exciting. You know, you don't reach 50. Some people don't ever reach 50 mm-hmm. um, personally, but an organization reaching 50 means there's, there's been, there been a lot of storms that have been weathered and a lot of challenges met. And so, so that's, so, I think, why they stepped into the fold. So what does the organization want to do moving forward? Like, what's the... What's the organization? And then we'll get to your own goals in a, in a bit. But what's the organization's goal? Do, do they what? Well, I think we want to try to expand the Arise Center. Mm-hmm. Because while at the present time we are spending a lot of our time working with the families in our housing programs, we know that the need is beyond what exists within our housing programs, that there's a community basis, there's a community concern um, that we'd like to try to figure out how to address. So I mentioned the VITA program. That's an example of what it is that we hope to do going forward, to be a community resource in a more expanded way than what we are, an educational um, opportunity um, where people can come in. I've just been in conversations with a, a person from an organization that wants to be allow us to be a hub for answering questions about healthcare. So, you know, really trying to build on providing that space. I call it a social service supermarket. I want to start. Uh, it doesn't mean that people will get everything that they need, but there'll <laughs> be the essentials that they'll, um, that we feel that they need and that what the demand is um, for the purpose of really taking our work on the road a little bit more mm-hmm. um, in a in a way that is neighborhood based and not just necessarily just program or area based. And we do some some of that neighborhood based work. I mean, I mentioned those emergency services, and that's been at our core. But beyond that, it's there there are other things that people need, and so can we do something to address the need? And I think we can. So, Reverend Grubbs, when you look at the landscape of all the issues that are out there to sort of key into and sort of fill the gaps for, um, are there things that you just say no to? Um, well, I would say yes, because it's it's important for, well, whether it's me or the organization, to remain centered so that mm-hmm. there is a at least a clear path um, from what it is that we do in an emergency basis, how do we support individuals and how we advocate. So I think, you know, it's a generic in terms of population, but it's a very specific with regard to what our intention is in the services that we provide. That is to leave people better off than the way we found them. So mm-hmm. we're not issue focused uh, necessarily. We are people focused in the way in which we try to support individuals. And that's a, there's a challenge in that because we don't always have the services, but what we do have is a concern for people okay so you got 28 years in yeah how many more you got in your hair i don't know really so you take it as a year by year kind of thing and five year in five year clumps a five year okay (laughs) so what year of the five year are we in in the fourth fourth (laughs) year but you can make it even 30 you know yeah it's the fourth let's see this is 28. So, yes, I'm headed into the fourth year of the fifth phase of my five-year plan, I think. So what are the dreams that you're holding on to? Like, what are the dreams? Are you a book, maybe? Tour the world? What? There is a, a book that I started writing that I moved back into action mode. Um, 
and it's about the the two people in the Mayus Road and Luke's Gospel. And the reason why that's important to me is both because it's biblical, but it's also a process that those two individuals on the road go through from being despondent to being liberated. Mm-hmm. And and I think liberation can come, yes, spiritually, but also liberation can come personally and and specifically so that a person who doesn't have a voice can then have certain experiences to then not only believe that they have a voice, but they can use it. That a person who has been reticent to step forward, to take advantage of all the opportunities that are afforded or could be afforded to them, to be able to then take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, there's a point at which in the story, there's a much longer part that I could say about this, but there's a point in the story where the light bulb goes on for them, where they move from being passive participants in a process to being very actively engaged in a process of telling the story about their own liberation. And, uh, and in, in the case of the story, it's about them coming to understand that the person with whom they have been walking, that the person who has had the conversation with them, that the person who walks up to them and has the conversation with them is Jesus. And after they figure out who he was, he disappears, and then they run back to Jerusalem to tell the folks, I've seen him, he's alive. And so I'm not really looking at it, though it's important to look at it for me as a minister from the vantage point of you know that liberation and the presence of Christ, but I think there's, an, uh, there's a connection um, to what happens to human beings when they, the light bulb goes on and they become actively engaged and enthusiastic about the message that they can share about their own liberation. Wow. So, all right, so. Oh, I need time. How much time? I don't know. Because you know I have a publishing company. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, oh well, shoot. now you know. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, so now. now she's going to haunt me. I know <laughs> even you more, work. <laughs> even more than what she's done before. Shoot. Like, that's a good step. Listen, that had me, that lifted me in my spirit. So I know if it does it for me, heathen that I am. I know darn well there are people out there that this book would elevate their lives. Well, when I have space, I'm right now in action mode. So I know you're in action mode. You know. So what's what are the other dreams? Because you you do you travel? How much traveling do you do? Well, to, uh, I for tra- pleasure and for work. Well, I'll talk about pleasure. Um, <laughs> the, I didn't. I haven't done anything this year, but once every two years, I try to go out of the country. So. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I went to Turkey. And how was that? Turkey is a very different place today. Uh, yes, it is. That was right after, right before the election. We were there. Um, it's a beautiful place. It's a very beautiful place. It was uh, touring the churches, of, touring the Asia Minor and seeing some of the churches in Asia Minor, or at least the site of the churches in Asia Minor. So um, that was an educational experience um, beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. So there are opportunities that I try to take advantage of just to get out of the country this year because of the anniversary. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But no. so when you look at Turkey, cause you were there and then you see what's happening now, what do you think? Lord have mercy. Yeah. You're like, please don't destroy that beautiful country mm-hmm. because it's beautiful there and mm-hmm. they can't get those things back. Mm-hmm. So, so where would you like to go that you haven't been in the world? Probably South Africa. Really? Uh, probably to Greece because mm-hmm. I also want to look at the, the where where the Apostle Paul walked and go to Corinth and Athens and mm-hmm. those are the places that are on my list but not quite 
<laughs> in action um, planning mode. So when are you going to get out of action planning mode for? The- oh, it'll be 2018. Okay, at least. Yeah. Um, because this this expansion of the Arise Center involves uh, uh, many many different components, and so we're working through those. We're at very beginning stages of that kind of endeavor. So, Reverend Grubbs, when you look out on when you look around community, what do you think people get wrong about the population of folks that you serve? Like. What do they what do they not know or understand about what happens to people when they are in need and an organization like yours fills the gaps? What do they get wrong about that? So there are times, and I absolutely understand this, where we think of individuals as part of a population. So there is a brush that we use to paint them with. And programs are designed with that in mind. The it, and, and I understand why that's important, but mm-hmm. I think beyond that, it is one individual at a time whose issues may be similar to someone else's, but there is a uniqueness about their circumstances. And so a part of what we, at least I always think about is, so you know, who are you? What do you want to do with your life? How is it that we can support you? Because and no matter who it is, um, if the person is not motivated to be able to make the change, you can't make the person make the change. You can encourage the individual. You can try to support the individual. You can inform the individual. You might even be able to compel the individual. But at the end of the day, if a person isn't able to make that shift, it's impossible for someone to make that shift for them. Mm-hmm. So our... I think our hope is always that we can work with the individual and to say to the individual that, you know, you've got support here. Um, We can help you as much as we're able to within the resources that we have available. You matter. Um, And and you may discover that you have certain gifts. You just have to step out there and you're not going to fall. So how political do you have to be in this role? Like, None. You, none. So do you talk to leg- to the legislative folks? Well, yeah, that's a part of the process of letting people know what it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm director of a nonprofit organization, and I take very seriously this idea that we are nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that I will not do, and as a minister, there are certain things that I will not do. But in terms of conversation with legislators, conversation with people who are in political positions, um, you know, state agency heads and the like. Yeah, there are those kinds of conversations that take place because they just, you know, they have to know what it is that we're doing and we want them to know what it is that we're doing so that mm-hmm. um, they can be a part of how we try to put forward solutions. So you felt the you felt the climate change depending on who's in office. I mean, you feel that sometimes, like that some politicians are more favorable to public to uh, to community service more so than others. There's some that think, you know, m- y'all could do more with less. <laughs> and then there are those who feel like, you know what, they're doing good. Let's support the good that they're doing. Because when they do what they're supposed to do, it takes less of government intervention to sort of handle those same issues. Um, that would be a yes. <laughs> 
do you find any of that challenging or you just sort of, we know what we do and we just move forward? Well, you know, we all function within a context Mm -hmm. and understanding what the context is, I think is key to determining what the pathway is forward. And, and I guess I would argue that yes, different administrations, different politicians um, have a way of thinking about the work mm-hmm. and maybe the priorities shift from administration to administration. I think the first focus uh, is really on, so what are your results? What are your outcomes? And letting hopefully those speak well and understanding that no administration from a governmental standpoint is going to be able to do all that uh, whether it's desired or projected. Mm-hmm. And some administrations care much more about certain populations versus other populations. And, you know, it's, I mean, I've weathered a couple of presidents, a couple of governors, <laughs> a couple yeah, of mayors. 28 years, that's a... And, and so you try to work with people as best you can, recognizing that we're a community-based organization and small and, and by, by many standards. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it's like, okay, here's the hand that we're dealt and let's see how we play the hand and with whom we partner in doing so. Okay. All right. So we got about what, five minutes, Harry, six minutes. <laughs> thank, thank you, Harry. <laughs> so listen, this is Babs Rolls Ivy. We're list- I'm sitting here talking to the, the phenomenal Reverend Benita Grubbs of Christian Community Action Agency, who I've been chasing for years now. Um, to have this conversation. It's a rich conversation. So let me ask you, uh, where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? I'm, I'm a member of First Baptist Church in New Haven. Where is that? That's on Livingston and Edward Street. Oh, I know that church. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a, a rich collection of individuals from um, you know, African-Americans, Jamaicans, people who have come here who are immigrants. And it's it's just a collection of individuals it's kind of what i think about in terms of the you know god's rainbow and, okay and and there is a, a, a richness to know that and where are you from i'm from hartford originally i didn't know that well born see? and raised hartford yep. where'd you go to undergrad smith college whoa whoa and then you went where'd you get your ma- your first master's from no, well, it was together. I started out at the ma- with the MPH program, and then after my first year, I started at Divinity School. So I was working on both of them at the same time. So did you? So when did the the call to do Divinity School come? Mm. Was it always present? Or no, no, no. I wasn't hallucinating, but I was working in Meriden, and I heard this voice in my car. And at that time, there was no CD, there was no eight track. It was just an AM/FM radio, and I heard. You are going to Yale to get your master's in public health. I'm like, who that? <laughs> I wasn't, uh, who that? And I thought, okay, so I made a bargain. So God, if this is what you want me to do, then I'll apply. Were you always um, God-centered? Did you, co- I mean, did you grow up in the church? Like, how do you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my mother was very faithful in that regard. And, um, and so there was the Sunday school and the church going, and then I got, I went to college and then came back and I said I want to do something with my life and so I landed in a church with a pastor who answered questions that I didn't know I even had Mm -hmm. and the rest is 
unfolded, has unfolded over the years. But there's been that anchoring for most of, uh, well, really all of my adult life, but formative before that. Wow, that's pretty interesting. So you are in the master's program, you you get into the divinity school, you do all of that. Mm -hmm. And so is your life um, what you imagine it to be? Was this what you wanted for yourself? Or you just followed where God sort of... That. Okay. I get that. I understand that more than I can tell you. All right. So you go where God calls you to go. Mm-hmm. And for now... For now, I'll Christian <laughs> community action, and we'll see what happens in the future. I mean, there is, again, there's some additional work to do, whether I am at Christian community action or I'm not. Okay. And I think the most important thing is to hold true to the first part of our mission statement, which is to be a faithful witness. And that, that's, that's what or, it is? Organizationally, yeah, organizationally as well as for me individually. Wow. Wow. So what's the most challenging part of your day? Mm-hmm. Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, probably having the funding to be able to continue the work and to facilitate the process of trying to support individuals in their journey through life. Mm-hmm. Does that keep you up at night? Sometimes. What's the best part of this job? Uh, the fact that there are a number of individuals of uh, Christian Community Action on staff who each and every day keep at it. And what are you reading these days? Um, what am I reading these days? Um, what's the last book you read? Or what are you what's, what's the, Really? It was the last book. That's the last one? And yeah. it was good? It worth, was, worth reading? Yes, insightful um, and, uh, and a good read. And who are you listening to these days, music-wise? What do you like? Beyonce? Who do you Mm-mm. like? <laughs> who do you like, Reverend pretty, Grubbs? I don't have a particular um, artist. I mean, do you listen to music that is secular, non-secular? What do you listen to? It's mostly inspirational. Okay. Gospel and the like. All right. So like old school James Cleveland kind of gospel? Oh, I'm, or I'm pretty eclectic. Or new school um, you know, whine-ins kind of. I'm pretty eclectic. Pretty I just, eclectic. I want to be able to hear uh, music that has a message and a theme. I'm just not interested in noise. Noise. <laughs> this has been a lovely conversation. I learned so much about you today oh, that shucks. I didn't know. That's a good thing. I guess. It is. You're so well-respected and so admired in this community. So it's my pleasure to talk to you today. Well, thank you for the invitation, even though I uh, didn't want to accept it. I felt I had to. Well, I have to have you come back now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to stay away from you, babe. No, you have to come back. This is good stuff. People want to know about you and, and all the good work that you're doing over there at Christian Community Action. So there may yet be an, op- uh, an opportunity. So this is my self-interest operating. But in a little bit, we'll be talking about the final event for the anniversary and tell you about that it's i want to hear about that you can come on and talk about it a little yeah, bit more because uh, i'm there's, sure it'll there's, be there's a there's a fundraising finale that we're also working on put, putting the pieces together uh to uh, to make happen so we'll hear more about that in the months ahead well thank you thank you so much for this time you're welcome i appreciated this harry we got some lovely day to get us out i like bill with his lovely day this Very is my nice. inspiration <laughs> this is my favorite song smooth it is, but I just, something about this song is my favorite song, you know. I, I used to sing this to my children when they were 
when they were arriving because you know, my kids are adopted and so I would sing this to them and they and so they still remember this as their song their love song from their mom so mm-hmm. anyway thank you so much and thank you all for listening and hey Facebook people so. thank you for listening to Love Babs Love Talk <laughs> on WNHHLP 103.5 FM have a lovely day lovely day Stay it up.